0: This is CityCast Presents. Move Like You're Stolen, Wedding Number Five. When Lydia gets to baggage claim, Styles is standing there with a stupid grin on his face and a sign that has her name written on it in handwriting that is too messy. She spots him first, and her fingers tighten around her carry-on as she takes in his gray t-shirt and the antsy way his converse are tapping against the ground as he searches the crowd for her. Lydia smiles first, taking a moment for herself. Then she raises her arm and waves. The second Stiles spots her, his face lights up. His mouth falls open as he grins and wiggles the sign high in the air, pointing towards it with his left hand. Lydia covers her mouth to stifle her laughter as he quickly moves closer to her, jamming into other people on his way and apologizing briefly before he finally reaches Lydia. He wraps his arms around her enthusiastically, hitting her on the head with a sign, and she laughs into his side as he swears loudly and drops it to the ground. "Hey," she says, "I think this is the first time I haven't seen you in a suit in years." Styles glances down at his dark jeans and gray t-shirt. He looks back up at her, running a hand through his hair. How am I doing? I have to admit, I'm disappointed in the lack of flails. He claps his hand over his heart. Wow, way to take a stab at my fashion sense. That was the one thing I had left. You're right, Lydia says, moving closer to the conveyor for her flight. Your dignity gave up long ago. She spots her suitcase, bright pink with a black ribbon tied around the handle, and snatches it up before turning back to Styles. Ready? he asks, taking it from her. Oh, you don't have to- Please, he says. You can't carry this. It clashes with your outfit. She glances down at her sleeveless button-down tank top and the navy blue high-waisted skirt into which it disappears. No, it doesn't, she argues, even though it sort of does. Come on. I wore flats just so I could carry my own suitcase. But if I let you have it, I can't show off my muscles, so you automatically lose. The alternative to just shutting up would be to tell him that she much prefers his thigh muscles to his arm muscles, for reasons that they definitely had solidified after Isaac's wedding. But Lydia bites her tongue and follows him to his Jeep, breathing in the California air as he digs through his pockets for the keys. Did it come this color, or did you have to get it done to look like the older one? Lydia asks as she swings the door open and hops in, desperately hoping that Styles won't notice the little running start she had to take. It was cheaper as a standard, so I used the extra money to redo the paint job, he says, patting the console tenderly. Gone, but never forgotten. Lydia leans over to the cup holder and snatches up his thermos of coffee, taking a sip. Hazelnut. Decaf. She groans. Just stop at Starbucks. Nope, we have shit to do. Lydia's mouth pops open incredulously. You expect me to do shit with no caffeine in me? It's 8 a.m. And I'm the poor sucker who had to get out of bed at 7 o'clock to pick you up at the airport. You owe me one. Lydia hits her head against the headrest as Stiles backs out of the spot, his arm on the back of her chair as he rapidly turns the wheel. She lets her eyes follow the veins up his arms to the moles on the side of his neck, and She swallows. It's been four months since she's had sex, and she is suddenly beginning to realize that Scott getting married isn't the only reason that she'd taken extra time off to get to the wedding early. God, does she need to fuck Styles? Hey, Stylinski, can we make a pit stop? He tisks. I'm not taking you to Starbucks. Not the coffee kind of pit stop. Now curious, he looks over to her, brows pinch suspiciously. What kind of pit stop, then? She licks her bottom lip. The kind that requires an empty parking lot, she hints, eyes on the road instead of stiles. He slams on the brake and throws the car into reverse, backing up until he can take the left that they'd just passed. Where are you? field. he says. Kids are in school, so there's no games on Thursday morning. You came up with that kind of fast, Lydia points out, keeping her voice casual. Either that or I stayed awake thinking about it all night last night, he shrugs either way. She shivers slightly as he makes another turn onto a dirt road and directs the car towards a thick thatch of trees. And what did you think about? Mostly you, naked in the backseat of my jeep, he tells her, eyebrows raised into a challenge, and a little bit about how much louder you'd be in such a small space. His lips quirk up at her bright-eyed, wordless stare. Why? Were you thinking about something else? As soon as he throws the Jeep into park and kills the engine, Lydia crawls into his lap, hovering above him as she kisses him. He moans into her mouth almost immediately, hands starting at her hips and then traveling up into her hair. They make out until Lydia's ass accidentally honks the horn, and, laughing into her mouth, Stiles grabs for the switch on the bottom of his chair. The seat shoots backwards, allowing her to settle more comfortably on top of him and begin to unbutton the little pearl buttons that go down her shirt. "'I thought about this, too,' she says." seeing as he's too mesmerized to stare at anything but the way Lydia's shirt has revealed her salmon and black lacy bra. Thought about sucking you off while you drove home. Pay back for Isaac's wedding. God, he groans, and she can feel him getting harder underneath her. Pay me back any time you want. She laughs, bucking her hips over his. They both sigh at the contact, and when Styles begins tugging at her nipple through her bra, Lydia can't help the way she rocks against him. The stiff fabric of his jeans feels unbelievably good, so she simply keeps going while he pants into her breasts. She can tell he's overwhelmed when he simply rests his head on her chest, using his hands on her waist to guide her hips over his. Do you have a condom? Lydia pants, barely present enough to ask the question. She could come like this, but she would much rather have him inside of her. Love compartment. He manages to grunt out, and he cries out when Lydia twists the upper half of her body all the way around to reach the glove compartment, the movement creating a new friction against him. She's about to comment, but then she sees the unopened pack of condoms there, and she suddenly understands. Styles, Lydia says. He looks up at her with glazed, unfocused eyes and cheeks that are brighter red than her nail polish. Styles, how long has it been for you? He swallows hard, his Adam's apple jumping into his throat. Four months? Immediately, Lydia is kissing him again, wet and hot and sloppy. "'Me too,' she whispers. He exhales harshly, thrusting a hand into her hair as he shifts upwards to kiss her again. Lydia's eyes drift shut as her hands fumble for his jeans, diving for the button, then the zipper. Off. She lifts herself off of him only long enough for Stiles to tug his jeans and boxers off in one go, putting the condom on him immediately afterward. Then she pushes her panties aside and sinks down onto him, a high-pitched whine in her throat because she is already so close and he fills her in a way that she can feel at every the tip of every point in her body. She wants this to be good for him, so good, because he deserves nothing less from her. He deserves everything from her. Slowly and carefully, Lydia grinds her hips in circles around Stiles, watching the way his head tilts back and his mouth slips open. She digs her nails into his shoulders and arches towards him, desperate for more stimulation on her clit. Look at me, she demands, and his eyes fly open, clamping onto hers. He must see how close she is, because he moves his hips to meet hers more quickly, sucking on his lip as he concentrates. She ends up biting her fist as she comes, collapsing over him as he pulses inside of her, his voice low in her ear. For a moment, the two of them just breathe together, their bodies locked. Then Lydia languidly straightens her body, leaning her head against the cool window of the car and watching her breath fan out over it. You good? Styles asks, somehow looking like the sun to her, despite the fact that his hair is a sweaty mess and his cheeks are still so red. She lifts herself off of him and slides back into the passenger seat, subtly attempting to look for her panties before remembering that they never took them off. What the fuck do you do with the condom? Styles asks suddenly, and Lydia meets his befuddled eyes with an uncertain look of her own. Simultaneously, they both burst out laughing. So, dry humping. Lydia says conversationally as Stiles tugs his jeans back over his hips and she works on buttoning her shirt. I don't think I've done that since high school. College for me, Stiles recalls. I'm terrible at sealing the deal. Lydia snorts. Honestly, if you start driving now, you can seal it again in 15 minutes. He doesn't need to be told twice. The afternoon light is pouring through Styles's bedroom window when Lydia finally wakes up. A quick glance at her phone tells her that it's two o'clock, but when she sits up in bed and listens for the sound of Styles' footsteps, she can't hear anything. Lydia gets out of his bed and attempts to locate Stiles in his small living room and even smaller kitchen. Nothing. She only finds him because of the loud music that can be heard through the window. Intrigued, Lydia walks over to the kitchen window and finds herself looking at Styles in the parking lot of his apartment building, shirtless and slathering white paint on a giant chuppa. A chuppa. He is building a chuppa. Shaking her head, Lydia opens the window and calls out, "'Hey, bozo!' Styles hears her immediately, shielding his eyes from the sunlight as he looks up at her and waves. "'Hey, you're awake!' He calls up to her, turning the music down. "'You're building a chuppah,' Lydia points out. "'I know,' Stiles says, nodding. He strokes some of the unpainted wood tenderly. "'Me and Scott started it from scratch.' "'From scratch?' "'Is that so hard to believe?' Depends on how long you tell me you've been working on it. He shakes his paintbrush at her. I will have you know that Scott and I are both very capable chuppa contractors. And now will you get down here and help me paint? What's the magic word? He holds up the number of fingers equal to how many orgasms he'd given her since she'd gotten there this morning. Lydia groans. Fine. She pads back into Sal's bedroom and grabs her suitcase, yawning hugely as she unzips it. There's a crop top that she brought to wear with a skirt, but it will work well with her high waisted shorts as well. So she tugs a mom before going into Styles's front hall closet and digging until she finds a baseball cap. Which is how she ends up next to Styles in sunglasses and a ponytail tucked into a Mets cap, painting a chuppah for Scott McCall's wedding. You want to be in charge of the music? Styles asks, throwing her his phone, which is hooked up to a Bluetooth speaker. She scrolls through until she finds a song from an indie band that Kira had turned them both onto, then tucks his phone into her back pocket and wordlessly takes the paintbrush that he hands her. "'We're going to wind lights around it,' Styles tells her, subconsciously painting in time to the music. "'It's going to be really beautiful.'" "'Are you going to put a canopy up above it?' "'No. We have so many rungs on top, we figured it would just be cooler to do the lights all the way around.'" "'I like the ones with canopies,' Lydia notes." Scrunching her nose as she notices some of the white paint covering the manicure she'd gotten for the wedding. "'I'll keep that in mind,' says Stiles without thinking. They both freeze, and Lydia decides to wait for Styles to get himself out of this one. "'So, um, you look good in the Mets' colors.' She curtsies slightly. "'I mean, I'm not surprised. Blue and orange are a fantastic combination.' Styles raises his arms and his paintbrush to the sky. "'You heard it here first. He shouts, ''Dr. Lydia Martin confirms that blue and orange are, in fact, the perfect combination.'' ''I didn't say p...'' ''No takesies Baxies." Stiles says sternly, flicking his paintbrush at her. A splotch of paint lands on Lydia's nose. Glaring at him, she reaches a hand up to wipe it off. ''Sorry,'' he says, grinning. ''Are you?'' she asks rhetorically. ''Nope,'' he answers. ''I could leave right now,'' Lydia threatens but she's not going to, because Styles had just turned around to paint the side of the pole that is facing Lydia, and she is able to watch as his shoulder and back muscles move slowly up and down with his arm. "'Hey, looking productive,' comes a voice, and Lydia turns around when Scott appears at her shoulder, offering her a knowing look. "'I was trying to get over the indignity of Styles looking paint at me,' she says weakly, pointing at her nose for added proof. Scott wouldn't believe her if she swore on Prada's grave.' He kisses her on the cheek to tell her hello, then searches the ground for a third paintbrush. So was your flight okay? He asks, dipping it in the paint and immediately setting to work. It was fine, Lydia says. It's good to be back so soon. You could come back to stay, Scott hints. Stiles stops what he's doing but doesn't turn around, and the fact that she has an audience puts a pit in Lydia's stomach. That being said, she chooses her words carefully. I want to. Someday. It's not that I don't love Beacon Hills, but right now, I have commitments. What kind of commitments? Job commitments, Lydia says, emphasizing the word. She sees Stiles' back relax, then watches as he starts to paint again. Assured that he is otherwise occupied, Lydia rounds on Scott and glares at him. He shrugs sheepishly. Hey, Styles, did you make sure to cancel those strippers you ordered from a bachelor party? Sure I did, Styles says, winking. Dude, Scott complains, I said I didn't want strippers. I know. Styles winks again. Okay, I know you haven't gotten laid in four months, but seriously. He stops talking abruptly, head whipping around to see if Lydia has noticed. I already know, she says calmly. How? Because he got laid. Mm. She pulls Styles's phone out of her pocket and checks the time. Three hours ago. "'Repeatedly,' Stiles says, high-fiving her. Scott looks very proud. Then he looks very annoyed. "'You were having sex when you should have been working on the chuppah?' Yep, Stiles replies, popping the P. "'Okay, you know what?' Scott says. "'You have four hours until we have to have dinner with Izzy's sister. Can you be done by then?' "'The maid of honor?' Lydia asks. "'Have you met her before?' "'Nah, she lives in Chicago,' Stiles answers. "'What was her name again?' Leah, Scott says, looking as though he said it too many times. Not to be confused with Lydia, as in, please do not ignore her because Lydia is here. Styles pouts. But, no, be polite, Scott instructs, putting down his paintbrush and taking his keys off of the keyring clipped to his belt loop. Marriage has changed you, complains Styles as Scott heads over to his truck. Not married yet, he shouts back. Two days. Styles frowns at the, the discarded paintbrush that is resting on the pavement, his nostrils flaring. He couldn't even stay long enough to help with the hoopah, he grouses, rumpling his hair. Well, Lydia says brightly, you have me. Styles looks up from the brush, suddenly smiling again. Yeah, he says, I do. Lydia shrugs, shuffles back and forth. Exactly. He hesitates. Hey, you want to go upstairs and... After we finish the hopa. Right, right. She doesn't think he's Im- she's imagining the way he begins to paint faster. Luckily for everyone at this wedding, Lydia Martin has come prepared. She has everything. Tissues, alcohol, condoms, phone chargers, playing cards, a copy of the princess bride, and even a glass cup for Styles to shatter if he needs to do so. She has also come prepared with two backup best man speeches from two different blockbuster movies for Styles to choose from just in case he forgets his or he chokes on his words. In short, this wedding is going to go perfectly for him, and it's her job to make it that way. After all, it's not every day your brother gets married. Styles is already at the altar when Lydia walks out. She goes slow, exactly to the pace of the music, just as they had practiced during the rehearsal dinner. In the light of the setting sun, the chuppah glows, and Stiles glows with it, his eyes bright as he looks at Lydia. But there is something so wrong about the picture. Her dress is pale pink, not white, and she does not end up standing across from Styles at the altar. She can see his smile slip slightly when she walks away from him, can feel her own stomach falling as well. But Lydia just readjusts her flowers in her hands and makes sure that her smile is just as large as the one on the face of the next bridesmaid over. As the rest of the bridesmaids walk down the aisle, eventually leading to the maid of honor and the bride, Lydia wonders which of the things she's brought will be the most necessary. The truth is, Stiles doesn't look like he's about to break down into emotional sobbing at the loss of his best friend. He seems just happy as Izzy takes her place across from Scott, who begins giggling like a little kid as he stares across at his bride. That makes Izzy giggle too. And then Styles is laughing, and Lydia, and Scott's mom and Styles' dad, and Isaac chuckling quietly to himself behind Styles. Even Derek, standing behind Isaac, looks like he's about to crack a grin. The rabbi begins to speak in an old, carrying voice that makes Stiles grin harder, and Lydia can feel the joy inside of him shooting over to her as the old man begins to talk about love and relationships and partnerships. That word jumps out at Lydia almost as soon as he says it. Partnership. Partner. Because out of all of the men in her life, Stiles has always been the one who most felt like a partner. She can't claim that either of them are better or worse, more flawed, less flawed. They have skills in similar areas and skills in differing areas. And they fight, constantly, but they agree just as much. For all of these years, with 3000 miles between them, they have somehow been together the entire time, partners. When they meet at these weddings, it feels like they've been apart for a week, not months. And not years, never years, because as soon as Stiles smiles at her, he just, he's hers again. Hers to love, hers to be with, hers to want. And she does. She wants him. The ring, please, says the rabbi. And when Lydia looks up, Stiles is holding out a wedding ring to Scott, who smiles a watery smile as he takes it from his best friend. Stiles claps his hand on Scott's shoulder and grins, just before Scott looks over Izzy's shoulder to look up at Lydia. He watches her for a second, warmth in his eyes as he tilts his head to the side slightly, and Lydia nods, mashing her lips together to keep herself from crying. She looks over at Stiles, who still has his hand on Scott's shoulder, and for a moment they all breathe her in together. Allison. Today I, Scott McCall, choose you, Isabel Clapper, to be my lawfully wedded wife, my partner, and my one true love. Stiles looks over Scott to find Lydia, his eyes red with tears. She wants nothing more than to hold him, or to squeeze his hand at the very least, but he just shakes his head and wipes away a tear that is sliding down his cheek. I promise to trust you, and honor you, and laugh with you. I promise to be yours in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, for the rest of our days together. Styles hasn't stopped looking at Lydia, doesn't. Even as Scott kisses Izzy hello for the first time as her husband, He doesn't look away until Isaac taps him on the shoulder, and he reaches to the floor to present Scott with a glass wrapped in bubble wrap. Scott rams his foot into it and whoops when it shatters, causing Izzy to kiss him again, laughing, while the crowd collectively shouts Mazel Tov and begins applauding. Then Stiles is jumping up in the air with Scott, and Melissa is hugging all three of them, Scott, Stiles, and Izzy, and Stiles is breaking free to pull Lydia into the group, and she can't help but wonder how she'd gotten so lucky to become a part of a family that had accepted her, without pretense, and without question. When Sheriff Stilinski greets her by giving her a bear hug, Lydia feels breathless with happiness as she sees the joy on everyone's faces. "'This is going to be great,' Stiles says, rubbing his hands together as he walks up to the two of them." I've been practicing the Hora for weeks now. I'm ready. No one is ever ready for the Hora, son, the sheriff says wisely. Stiles blinks at him. No, I've been practicing. Lydia tugs on his arm. Hey, you have to walk, Billy Elliot. Who? I'll tell you on the way down the aisle. Stiles says a quick goodbye to the chuppah before they leave, patting it tenderly with his hand before he follows Scott out of the building, his arm hooked around Leah's. The pictures take double the time they usually do because Styles won't stop cracking jokes to the very annoyed photographer, and his joy is infectious, as is Scott's. Izzy barely has it in her to mom, Styles. Instead, she just jokes along with the two of them and continuously tosses Lydia fake exasperated glances. They end up getting back to the tent when it is almost completely dark, folksy music lulling out of the instruments that are set up on a makeshift stage for the band. I'm starving. Stiles says, dropping into a chair at the wedding party table and picking up his fork, banging it vigorously against the surface. Where's the food? Lydia is amused as she glances over at him from where she is seated. I don't think it's being served yet, she says. Do you want to grab a drink? He groans. Oh, come on. We can go together. They get halfway across the tent before they are stopped by three of Izzy's relatives, coming over to tell them what a beautiful couple they are. Oh, oh, we're not. Styles begins, but the woman cuts him off. "'Ey! With his cheekbones and her cheeks, think of the children!' "'The three women walk off together, cackling to each other about kids. Styles looks taken aback. "'They're awfully... forward. "'Let's just go,' Lydia says, tugging on his arm. "'The sooner we get drinks, the sooner we don't have to think about how hungry we are.' "'They get in line behind two more old ladies "'who are discussing some sort of scandal with the rabbi's son.' "'He was going to be a doctor!' one of them wails, and Styles snorts behind her. She turns around, looking surprised, but then delighted when she sees the two of them. "'Oh, it's the best man!' she crows, grabbing his cheeks and pinching them. "'You look so happy for your friends. When are you getting hitched yourself?' "'As soon as you can find him a wife,' Lydia says, trying to save him when Styles's eyes bug out of his head. She smiles smugly, as though they have fallen completely into her trap." "'A wife, you say? How about you, sweetheart?' Then she turns around, snorting to herself. "'Hey,' Styles says, bending low so that he can whisper in Lydia's ear. "'You don't think Izzy told her relatives to try to matchmake us, did she?' "'No,' Lydia replies, waving a hand dismissively. "'She's a bride. She's busy. She doesn't have time to worry about your marriage prospect—' "'Oh, yeah. She definitely did that.' "'Great,' Styles complains.' I think it's sweet. She cares for you. I wish she would have made sure her family didn't, says Stiles, moving up in line. Hi. One strawberry daiquiri, please. I'll have a scotch on the rocks with a twist, Lydia says, smiling sweetly at the aghast look on Stiles' face. Do you like that stuff? You don't? I just... why would you want a scotch when you can drink fruity alcohol? You know, I have no idea. He looks very satisfied with himself as he wraps his lips around the straw and takes a sip. She wants to tell him that he hasn't won the argument, but then decides to let him have it as he hums around the straw and tilts his head back in pleasure. They narrowly dodge a married couple who are making a beeline for them on their way back from the bar, but don't manage to avoid an old man who tells a long, rambling story about his days in the army with a red-headed nurse and how he regretted never telling her how he felt. "'I'm pretty sure Izzy wrote that,' Styles says, horrified as the man walks away. "'Lydia!' "'She's giving them scripts!' "'We'll be safe once we get back to the table,' she lies, "'because the older relatives are everywhere, "'and every single one of them is looking at Stiles and Lydia "'as they cross the tent. "'But as soon as they sit down, "'they are joined by two more ladies, "'both of whom sit down right next to them and begin talking. "'And what are you do, gorgeous?' "'asks the first one, directing her words towards Stiles. "'Meh. "'What are you? "'I have a daughter, you know. "'24. "'Very pretty!' Oh, Rose! That's the one Izzy wants us to fix up. Well, fix ups can be di- redirected, Esther. Um, I'm a lawyer. Lydia cringes. Oh, a lawyer, says Rose with her heavy accent. And what's your name, Mr. Lawyer? Uh, Styles? Styles what? Styles Stilinski. Oh, Polish, she sings, leaning towards him. Yeah. He nods. My family's Polish. What part of Poland are you from? Oh, I mean, we're not really Polish. We just used to be. So what part is that exactly? Rose! Esther shouts over the music. Rose! He is Polish like you're Russian. She pauses. Blinks. Nods slowly. Oh, 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 I understand. So is it near Warsaw? Styles looks helplessly over at Lydia. "'Yes,' he responds. "'Yes, it is.' "'And how do you feel about converting, Polish Stolinski?' <gasps> "'Rose, look! Your daughter is dancing with a man!' "'Who?' she demands, snapping her head around. "'Someone with tattoos,' Esther says seriously. "'Rose vanishes into the crowd. Esther nods at Styles and Lydia. "'You two would make beautiful children, for the record.' "'They stare after her in absolute shock.' This would never happen at a Martin wedding, Lydia says finally. Why not? Because, she says, taking a sip of her drink, everybody would be too drunk to speak at this point. And that's preferable? Styles asks. She tilts her head to the side, considering. Definitely yes. In 60 years, when Lydia is lying on her deathbed with six Fields medals and one Nobel Prize sitting on her bedside table, because why the hell should she not have at least one of those, right? She thinks that several moments from Scott McCall's wedding will flash before her eyes. She will picture Styles dancing over-enthusiastically with Melissa McCall, while Izzy dances with Raph and Lydia dances with the sheriff. She will picture Scott and Izzy screeching as they are lifted in the air in chairs, Styles's face red from holding back laughter as he hoists them up, watching the two of them jokingly kicking to get down. She will picture herself joining hands with Styles on one side and Isaac on the other as they dance in a circle, going in and out and trying to scream lyrics that aren't even in their own language. She will picture them whizzing around, elbow in elbow, trying not to accidentally let go of each other, even though they're laughing too hard to have much control over anything. She will think about dancing to Man I Feel Like a Woman with Izzy and slow dancing with Scott when he let Styles has, have Izzy for a number. Mostly, she will think about how Styles was able to pack no less than 11 thinly hidden werewolf puns into one best man speech. That's probably a new record. Through all of the weddings Lydia has ever been to, she doesn't think she has ever ached so wonderfully. She feels the happiness spreading all around her body, her fingertips, her toes, her tongue. For hours, she ignores her hollering feet and doesn't even consider sitting down because sitting down would mean letting go of one single moment of this wedding and she would rather be pumping her fists in the air with Isaac's wife than let anything pass her by. At the end of the night, Stiles and Scott go for a walk and Lydia takes the opportunity to collapse into a chair next to Chris Argent. She shucks off her shoes, sighing in relief as they fall to the ground. "'Have you danced at all tonight?' she asks, only because she already knows the answer. "'No.' He responds, voice not unkind. He's always gentle with them these days. Probably because he knows how easily any one of them could break. Just thinking. Lydia nods slowly. Me too, she says softly. She hadn't thought she could get through this wedding without tears, but it still surprises her when she, she needs the tissues in her survival purse before Styles does. Her eyes well quickly, only because she lets them. Everything is heightened tonight. The joy, certainly, but also the fear and loneliness and loss. Lydia can't feel any of them at different levels when she's feeling so much all at once. I'm going to say what you can't say to yourself. He looks up at her, eyes too dark and too weary. Just looking at them makes Lydia feel herself darken as well. His loss seeps into her, knocking on her bones and flowing through her blood until she can feel it heavy on her tongue. Sometimes... Tonight, it has felt like the wrong wedding. She enunciates clearly and carefully so that he understands what she's saying, and Lydia isn't surprised when she sees the words resonating through his eyes. I know, he says briefly. I feel awful for thinking that, Lydia admits, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it less true. Mr. Argent chuckles humorlessly. Is it sickening that I'd take this girl's happy ending away from her in an instant if it meant that Allison could have one instead? "'It's human,' Lydia tells him. "'And not all humans have been forced to feel humanist to the extent that you have. "'So I would say that nothing about what you're feeling right now is sickening, "'except for the fact that you have to feel it in the first place.'" He smiles weakly at her as he notices something over her shoulder. "'Don't be a stranger, Lydia,' he says." nodding at the person behind her, and when she turns around, Stiles is standing there, placing his hands on her shoulders and massaging like it's nothing. "'You ready to go?' he asks, voice low. She wonders if he can sense her sadness. She nods. "'Did you have a good talk with Scott?' "Of "'Course I did,' Styles says offhandedly. "'But he and Izzy are going to Spain, and Stiles would like to go to sleep.' "'That's fair,' Lydia says, picking up her shoes. She leans over to Mr. Argent and kisses him on the cheek. I'll talk to you soon, she promises. Then she slips her hand into Styles's and follows him out of the tent and to his car. They drive home in silence, the radio softly buzzing with noise that is not quite loud enough to hear over the sound of Styles drumming his fingers against the steering wheel. Lydia leaves the window open and lets her arm hang out of it, leaning into the wind as it blows in her hair. You asleep? Styles whispers 15 minutes into the drive. Lydia shakes her head, lulling it lazily over to look at him. Just thinking. About how smooth of a dancer I am? About how happy Scott was, actually. Style smiles. Yeah, I thought about that a lot too. She wants to tell him that she wants that for him, but she doesn't know how. So instead she strokes some hair out of his eyes when they're stopped at a red light and keeps her hand on his shoulder when he starts driving again, drawing his name with her thumb. By the time they've pulled up at his apartment outside of Beacon Hills, they haven't spoken for a while. Styles parks the car and turns it off, then spends several moments just sitting there, his eyes on the windshield. Eventually, he unbuckles his seatbelt and turns to Lydia, licking his lower lip as he stares at her imploringly. You ready? he asks. She knows the answer he wants, and it isn't the one she gives. Sure, she responds. Let's go up. He isn't bitter about it just nods and gets out of the car, taking the elevator up to his floor instead of the stairs because they're too tired from dancing to move any more than they have to. The apartment is dark, but Styles goes around turning on the lights while Lydia heads to his bedroom and tries to decide what to put on. She's got a red brawn underwear set and a black teddy and a lazy purple thing that she really likes as well because it somehow manages to make her breasts look like they are perfectly evenly shaped. But then Styles barrels into his bedroom and throws his jacket onto the floor along with his tie, not caring as they begin to wrinkle. He shimmies out of his pants, pulling them in a puddle, and unbuttons his shirt, then grabs his t-shirt at the back of his neck so that he can throw that on the floor too. He yawns, ruffling his hair as he walks past Lydia, shirtless and in boxers. Then he reaches into his drawer, pulls out a random t-shirt, and tucks it over his head before collapsing on his bed and faking loud, raucous snores. Lydia looks at his mouth, open against the dark blue blankets, and makes a decision about what she's going to wear. Can I borrow a t-shirt? She asks as she undoes the clasp of her bra. Sure, he replies, snuggling into his pillow and smacking his lips. Wake me up in five minutes to go brush my teeth, will you? That seems like a very unlikely possibility, Lydia says. Fine, harumps Styles, getting up on autopilot and walking over to the bathroom. As he turns on the water and begins brushing his teeth, Lydia pulls one of his t-shirts against her chest and breathes it in before she puts it on. It stops midway down her thighs, and that makes her smile. She takes three deep breaths before she walks into Styles' bathroom to find her toothbrush sitting on the counter. "'Toothpaste,' she says, grabbing her brush and sticking it out for him. He's already holding the tube, so he squeezes it onto the brush without comment, and Lydia begins to brush her teeth next to him, staring at the two of them in the mirror. "'Jesus.' It doesn't usually occur to her how much taller than her he is, because she's always wearing heels. But they're brushing their teeth together, and he is a multiple heads taller than her, and she feels tiny next to him, despite the fact that he never makes her feel that way normally. And she loves that about him. Styles spits first, and Lydia follows a few seconds later, swiping at the corner of her mouth with her thumb afterwards. "'Can I ask you something?' she asks his reflection. "'Sure,' he says, hopping up onto the bathroom counter. Lydia leans her hip against it as she tries to think of how to phrase what she needs to say. Did you feel like you were losing something tonight? Yes, Stiles replies without hesitation. How so? He squints as he thinks about it. Scott's my best friend, he says, scratching his cheek while he continues to consider it. And it's kind of weird to think that I'm not a priority anymore, you know? Like, if it was me and Izzy in a burning building... I always kind of assumed that he would grab me and then we would go get her together. But now that they're married, and they're the unit. And I'm the poor sucker alone in the fire. You're not alone. You're still Scott's brother. Stiles grins. Yeah, that's why I didn't freak out tonight. He has Izzy, and I have him, and he has me, and I have Izzy, and Izzy is me, and it's gonna be okay. We're gonna be fine. We always are. "'Thought you were going to need saving tonight,' Lydia admits as Stiles hops off of the counter and crawls into his bed. Lydia flicks off the light and follows him under the covers. "'Is that why you had three boxes of tissues in your purse?' "'How did you find those?' she asks as he tucks his blankets around the both of them. "'You asked me to grab a phone charger for Brayden.' "'Right,' Lydia recalls, propping herself up on her elbow. "'I also had three different types of hard liquor and a movie.' "'Which movie?' The Princess Bride. Hey, nice choice. Thank you, she says, turning around and making herself comfortable on the pillow. Styles leans across her to turn off the lamp. Hey, Lids? He says after a moment. Yes? I... I thought I'd feel more left behind today, you know? She doesn't, but she nods anyways. Yes, she says softly. But then I got to come home and... You were in my bedroom putting on your pajamas and your pajamas are my shirt and we brushed our teeth together and I, I don't feel like that at all. Like I'm behind. I just feel like I'm here with you and I'm really fucking happy about that. And out of all the moments from earlier tonight, she thinks the one she will keep the longest is a feeling of Styles sleepily kissing the back of her neck as he tugs her closer to his body, settling in to fall asleep with her. Wedding number six. So, don't talk to my grandfather about guns. Like, ever. Styles furrows his brow where he sits on the bed, flipping through one of Lydia's magazines. He's got his entire body splayed out diagonally on the gold-colored comforter, looking out of place there in the outfit that Lydia had picked out for him. He keeps tugging at the collar of the blue-striped button-down and wrinkling his nose when he catches sight of the vest that she'd made him wear, just to see if she could do it. Why can't I talk with him about Guns. Because he is a nut about them, that is why, Lydia says as though it is obvious, frowning at the way her deep red shirt disappears into her skirt. Maybe I should wear something else. She's talking to herself, but Stiles still feels the need to comment. I think you look hot. I'm trying to look respectable, not bangable. Luckily, you are always both. Lydia scowls at his reflection in the mirror. This is why I don't like getting dressed in front of men. Because? "'Cause they compliment you?' She hums, but doesn't respond, instead unzipping her skirt and letting it fall to the floor. Style seems much less interested in the magazine as she bends over a dresser drawer and pushes aside his boxer so that she can reach the strapless black and white dress with enormous horizontal stripes, tossing off the red shirt and pulling that over her head instead. She throws her hair into a bun, pulls on a red cardigan, slips into red heels, and checks herself in the mirror. Red lipstick, she says decisively, and turns back around when she's done applying it. What do you think? Do I look like the ever-so-devoted girlfriend of a lawyer? Every moment of every day, says Styles unblinkingly. What are you so worried about, anyways? That your family will figure out that we're not really together? That is exactly what I am worried about, Lydia says, throwing her black pencil skirt at him. Hello, where have you been? Right here, on this bed, for the last eight outfits. Eight? It wasn't eight. It was eight. I know because I've been keeping a log of how many times I've seen you in just a bra since Derek's wedding. Of course you have. She pauses. Roll down your sleeves. Nope, replies Stiles, flipping a page. If I'm wearing this ridiculous vest, I'm at least keeping my arms free. Your veins are distracting me. Let them. Lydia sighs, sitting down next to him on the bed. Okay. What did we talk about on the plane? How you prefer flat Sprite to cold Sprite? No, after that. The time you had plain sex with your ex-boyfriend just because you were in the middle of writing your dissertation and forgot to buy him a birthday present? Before that. Okay, we said, keep your mom away from your dad, talk to your dad about nothing but sports and cars, talk to your mom about nothing but you, that should be hard, you're a fairly simplistic person, and if I see your Aunt Caroline holding an empty wine bottle, Run. Because it means she's drunk and about to throw it. And Uncle Harold? Uncle Harold will try to squeeze your ass, and I am to stop him by whatever means possible. Even if it means grabbing it first. You got it? Couldn't forget that part, Lids. She smacks her thighs with her hands before standing up and adjusting her dress. And how have you enjoyed psychology today? Well, I have diagnosed myself with at least six different illnesses, but other than that, it was a very rewarding read he tells her, getting off of the bed and rolling his eyes as Lydia straightens his tie and pulls at his vest. He pointedly spreads his arms like he's a rag doll, causing her to tug harder on the vest, just to piss him off. Sleeves? No. Fine. She grabs her purse and heads for the door to the room she always stays in when they're at her grandparents' vineyard, allowing Styles to go through it first. He has his hands in his pockets as he walks down the hallway, taking smaller steps in order to keep up with Lydia. Do you need to go over the story of how we met one more time? Lydia, it's literally the story of how we met. Just making sure you can remember, she says defensively. I will be dead before I could forget, he replies, grumpy. When she'd asked him to come to her sister's wedding as her fake boyfriend, she hadn't actually considered how difficult it would be to not have to act at all. Bringing Styles as her date to the wedding seemed like the natural option, they have chemistry, and things in common, and a history. But Lydia hadn't thought about how they would be sleeping in a bed together for three days straight, or showering together, or how they'd be talking to family members about truths that are lies and lies that are true, and to be truthful, neither of them really know what's what. The only reason she'd even wanted a fake boyfriend for her sister's wedding was because she's nearly 30 years old and doesn't have time to bother with the real one. At this point, however, Lydia thinks that maybe it would have been easier to leave Styles at home and face her family alone. But then they reach the top of the staircase, and Styles pretends that he's about to slide down, his face totally deadpan, and Lydia thinks that if she had left him back in his apartment just outside of Beacon Hills, she wouldn't be laughing nearly so much this weekend. Plus, she wouldn't have had a partner in yesterday's badminton tournament. She's not sure if Styles had been so terrible because of his natural clumsiness or because of her short skirt— But she'd been good enough to get them into the final round on her own anyways, and it had been nice to have a partner who would fuck her in the shower after the game, despite how sweaty she was. Plus, his ass did look damn good in those pants. As they emerge onto the front green and grab their first drinks of the night, wine, wine, and more wine, Lydia begins pointing out which family members are best to avoid. That's my crazy cousin Carrie, and that's coming from me. I've never seen anyone get kicked out of so many boarding schools. And... There's my uncle's girlfriend, she's off her fucking rocker. Oh, and if you dance with her, she will try to twerk on you. Well, someone ought to. Lydia chokes on her sip of wine at that mental image, causing Stiles to open his mouth indignantly. Before he can retaliate, however, she grabs his sleeve. Uncle Harold. Smoothly, Stiles slides over and casually places his hand on her ass, tucking her body into his. Like this? He asks slowly. Lydia swallows yeah, that's good. Lydia, her uncle calls out, cheeks stained almost the same red as the wine in his glass. Who is this young feller? Styles cringes at the word feller being used by anyone not from Alabama. This is my boyfriend, Styles Dolinsky. Lydia says, placing her hand on his chest. Shit, that feels weird to say. Good weird, but still weird. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Styles says, and Lydia has to hold back a laugh at how polite he's being. Hetty, come over here. Lydia's got a feller. She groans internally as her Aunt Hetty, plus this small gaggle of people that she'd been talking to, look up in curiosity and flock over to the two of them. Stiles perks up, moving his hand from her butt to her hip and squeezing it lightly, as if to, try to trying to affirm that they've got this. Lydia, is this your boyfriend? Mm-hmm. She replies through a tight-lipped smile. My boyfriend, Stiles Stilinski. And what do you do for a living, Mr. Stilinski? I'm a lawyer, he answers. Probably have Lydia here to thank for that. She pinches his side at the nickname, causing him to jump in surprise. How so? Asks one of Lydia's relatives. She made me love to argue, Stiles says, making everybody awe loudly, and Stiles smirks. That's right. There's nothing Siles likes more than a good argument, Lydia says, voice syrupy. Except making up, he adds, stroking her nose lovingly and trying not to laugh. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No. So how did you two meet, Uncle Harold asks. First grade, Siles says, Mrs. Levington's class. We actually sat in the same desk cluster two months in a row. Best two months of my young life. That's actually true. Lydia remembers because they'd gotten into multiple arguments over which Pokemon was best, and she hadn't been able to stand the fact that his choices were so ignorant. Plus, Scott had always backed him up, even when she was clearly right, and it had driven her up the wall. Whatever. She preferred Greek gods anyways. And when did you two begin dating? Oh, um, a few years back at a friend's wedding. We saw each other again, and we just... "'Knew it was right,' Lydia says simply. "'He happens to be an excellent dancer.'" "'Oh, honey, you're writing checks that I am not going to be able to cash at the reception!' Styles jokes, wiggling his wine glass disapprovingly at her. "'Can I help it that I just love bragging about you, Pumpkin?' He shrugs modestly, lifting his eyes to the sky. "'I guess not. Sugar lips.'" "'Sugar lips. When has it ever been okay to call someone sugar lips?' At least Pumpkin is a reasonable, terrible nickname. Sugar Lips goes way too far. Eventually, Lydia leads him away from her heckling relatives under the guise of needing more wine. To their credit, they actually do need more wine. Styles won't stop looking around as they make their way across the lawn. Is there anything here but wine and cheese? Lydia pats him comfortingly on the arm. Oh, don't worry, Sugar Lips. You will soon be too drunk to want anything but more wine. Oh, you liked the nickname, did you? It improved the quality of my life tenfold, says Lydia dryly, stopping at a table and lifting a glass of wine from the tray. Here, she says, handing it to Styles. Drink up. The drunker you are, the better the nicknames will be, right? Funny, he says, but he takes a sip anyways. Hey, does your mom know the truth about us? Uh, the fact that we fuck like bunnies but aren't actually together? Yep. That's the one. Lydia nibbles on a piece of cheese, trying to figure out how best to articulate the extent to which her mother does not know that they fuck like bunnies. I just told her that I was bringing a date to the wedding and artfully dodged her when she asked me if I needed a separate room for him. Did you, um, mention his name? That would be a no. Why do you ask? Well, a little bit because I'm interested, but mostly because her jaw just dropped open and she's about to come over here and confront us. Great. Great. Lydia replies, a smile freezing on her face. "Styles," her mother says, sounding blown away. You're Lydia's mystery date. Yep, that's me. I'm an enigma. Her mother nods, wordless. Her hands tap nervously against her wine glass. We've gotten a lot closer lately, and I thought it might be fun to bring him. To meet Stephanie? To keep me company? Lydia says, tightening her grip around Styles's arm. You know how weddings can be. There's a long pause. So, um, how's Florida? We talked on the phone two days ago. You know how Florida is. Oh, that's right. Shuffleboard. Beaches. We talked two days ago, and you never mentioned that I know your date. Lydia shrugs. I thought it wouldn't be a big deal. Her mother clearly thinks differently, Lydia doesn't blame her. The last time she'd heard about Styles, Lydia had been having one of her rare breakdowns alone in her room, then decided to up and nearly date a twenty-six-year-old man. Not exactly a coup towards Styles, at all. The moment is interrupted, thankfully, by Lydia's aunt Cynthia. "Liddy," she says, kissing Lydia on both cheeks, despite the fact that she is not European and, with that, has absolutely no excuse for her extremely affected accent. "How have you been?" Well, um, I got a PhD and I got a research grant from MIT and... And who's this? Her Aunt Cynthia asks, cutting her off. Lydia deflates slightly. This is Siles. He's a lawyer. A lawyer! And so handsome, too. Oh, what a catch, Liddy. Natalie, you must be so proud. By the end of the night, Lydia is dragging her feet up the marble stairs and trying to decide what had annoyed her more her 14-year-old cousin getting drunk off of wine and singing a Lady Gaga song at the top of his lungs, or every single other one of her relatives. "'They don't even care about the fact that I work at an Ivy League school,' she complains, stomping particularly hard on the next step. Styles brings up a hand to touch her shoulder, then realizes that he is carrying her heels and quickly switches hands. "'Yeah,' he says sympathetically. "'But it's only because they suck.'" She grabs her key from the cup of her bra and unlocks the door to her room, instinctively flicking the lights on. I felt like one of those pretty little trophy wives that everybody in our high school thought I was destined to be. Styles lets out a low whistle. That got way real way fast. I'm not in the mood for anything else. He undoes his tie first, practically kicking it to the ground as his hands go for the buttons of his vest, which he proceeds to throw across the room. It lands on one of the doorknobs of the French doors that lead to the balcony and swings there. Ten points, he says proudly. Beat that. Oh, I would, but I'm an adult. Her dress pulls on the floor and she drops her bra as well before she stretches towards the ceiling. Thank God, she moans. Ten points to my breasts for putting up with that all night. Good job, R2 and D2, Siles says as his pants fall to the floor. You guys are troopers today. Are you going to shower tonight? Lydia calls after Styles as he heads into the bathroom wearing nothing but green boxers and a pair of black socks. Tomorrow morning, he replies, grinning when she walks into the room wearing the Star Wars t-shirt he'd bought her last Christmas. Hey, I recognize that. I wear it to bed sometimes, Lydia says offhandedly. What? It's comfy, she says when he won't stop smirking at her. Oh, shut it. I think you look great in it. Just so you know... "'You're not getting late tonight,' Lydia says around her toothbrush. "'Oh? And why not?' "'Because of the nicknames,' Lydia informs him, spitting. "'They will haunt me for the next two days at least. "'I can't let you get away with that.' "'Fine,' sighs Stiles, turning off the faucet and heading out of the bathroom. "'Lydia throws a tablet at him when he turns off the light while she's still in there, "'glad that he can't see her smile. "'They find themselves curled up under the covers,' The room illuminated by nothing but the stars leaking in through the glass French doors. They lie there in silence for a while. Styles's body spoons Lydia's, until she eventually realizes that she isn't going to be able to sleep anytime soon. Styles, she whispers. Mm. He grunts. Are you awake? I am not. She pauses. How about now? Oh, well, now everything's different. Great. She flips them over so that they're face to face, then slides onto his pillow, pressing her nose against his briefly before looking at him. So? Yeah? How do you like my family? Styles chuckles. They are very... Very? Very drunk. Lydia nods seriously. That's the description we should put on the website. It is a nice house, though. House might actually be an underrepresentation of what it is. My grandparents have lived here forever, she says. Your dad's parents? Mm hmm. I actually always sleep in this room. It's like my room. Is it weird to have someone else in here? Aside from my American Girl dolls? Yes. So, says Styles, what's your real room like? My real room? Like at home. You've been there. No, I mean, Boston home. In your apartment. In Boston. It suddenly seems odd that he doesn't know what it looks like. They've Skyped a few times, one of them being the time she had asked him to fake date her for her older sister's wedding. But he hasn't stood in her kitchen or sat on her couch or fought over the remote with her, like they've done at his apartment. He hasn't been near it. My bedroom walls are the seafoam color I really like, she says. And I have, um really nice light bulbs. Styles shakes with silent laughter. And there's a framed poster of the periodic table of elements that Allison gave me for my birthday one year and and my comforter is grey with constellations stitched onto it. It's kinda childish, but makes me smile. Lids, I have a framed Star Trek poster in my bedroom. I am not judging. She realizes that she is lying in a bed with a shirtless Styles Stolinski, who has eyes that are shining in the light of the moon, and who keeps squinting at her like he can't believe she's there. It slams into her, and Lydia isn't sure if she's drunk on wine or Styles as she throws her head back and starts laughing. Styles' eyes widen as his smile grows, and he covers her mouth with his hand to quiet her. Your sister is down the hall and she is getting married tomorrow, he reminds her, a disbelieving laugh in his voice. Shut the fuck up. For once, she listens to him. Fine, she says, turning over. I don't have to tell you anything else about my bedroom. He gives her about mm, 20 seconds before his warm fingers sneak under her shirt and around her waist, asking her to pay attention to him again. Lydia sighs laboriously and turns around. What? she asks quietly. What now? Styles hugs her closer so that he can press their foreheads together. Tell me a secret a secret. He nods against her. Something cool. Lydia lowers her voice. Supernatural creatures are real, she whispers, wiggling her eyebrows conspiratorially. Styles nudges her knee with his leg. Like something I don't know about you, dingus. Something he doesn't know about her. Something that Styles Talinsky doesn't know about Lydia Martin after all these years. "'Well,' she says slowly, "'I was in love with you in high school.' "'His entire body freezes. "'What?' "'I was in love with you,' she murmurs. "'I wanted to be with you so badly. "'I loved... I loved your fingers and the way you looked at me.' And the way you never asked me for any more than I gave you, even though I knew you wanted it. His breath hitches. Are you being serious right now? She ignores this. I loved your cheekbones and your handwriting and the way you never realized how much I loved you. Because it meant that you gave me everything you could possibly give me without expecting anything in return. Nobody's ever done that for me. I loved you so much for it. His body is hovering over hers in a second flat, lips covering hers gently as she arches up into his touch, brushing her thumbs against the cheekbones that she had just been speaking about. I'm sorry, he says, lips smothered by her lips. Sorry, he says again, moving down to her collarbone. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He kisses the top of her breasts then crawls down and lifts her skirt so that he can place a kiss just above her belly button. It's okay, she promises, blinking tears away from her eyes as he pulls her shirt over her head and presses kisses against her ribs, rubbing his thumb over the spots that his lips have just vacated. I didn't tell you. She never tells him. I never said it either, he says, looking up at her with an earnestness in his eyes that doesn't sit right with the words he just said. God, we had sex and I didn't even say it. It's not your fault that you thought it was a one-off. I thought you were just anxious about leaving for college, he admits. That's, that's what I told myself afterwards. I told myself that you were fulfilling some ridiculous boyhood fantasy. Because if I thought otherwise, I'm not sure I could have gotten onto the plane the next day. I thought about you every day. Stiles says, folding his hands on her stomach and resting his chin on them so that he can look up at her. I never stop thinking about you. I miss you every day, Lydia tells him, running her fingers through his hair. I still do, even when I get to see you. He closes his eyes for a moment, breathing, and when he opens them, he's ready to kiss his way up her body and back to her mouth. Lydia. Mm-hmm. She responds, sliding her hands under the waistband of his boxers as she kisses him. Please do. Okay. He breathes against her skin, before reaching onto the floor and grabbing one of the condoms that had spilled onto the ground when they'd ripped open the box on their first night at the vineyard. He sets it on the bed next to Lydia, then disappears under the covers, kicking them off when he reaches her thighs. He kisses the inside of her right thigh, then her left, eyes on her the entire time. Calmly. Styles slides Lydia's panties down her legs and pulls them off, tucking her legs further apart so that he can settle between them. His lips and tongue are gentle as he expertly sculpts the fire in her, starting from where he is and shooting through Lydia's body. He keeps his eyes on her until she isn't sure what's making her breathless anymore, the way he's touching her or the way he's looking at her. She can't take her eyes off of his, and even when he wraps his lips around her clit and hums around it, Lydia fights to keep her eyes open. Please... She gasps out. "Styles, please. She doesn't need to say anything else, because he snatches the condom and unwraps it, sliding it on with hands that haven't stopped shaking in several minutes. It's different this time. It's not from excitement or from lust. It is the trembling of someone who is full to the brim and needs to move to try to shake some of the emotion from his body. Because it's too much... Everything that she is feeling, everything that she wants to give to him, is too much for both of them. The way he pushes into her is so painfully slow that Lydia has half a mind to tell him to speed up, but he's moving so deliberately that she knows better than to say anything. So instead she meets his pace and moves against him in a way that is unhindered by anything. She feels open to him in a way that she never has before, because he knows now. He knows everything that she has been guarding and he is still looking at her like she is the most magical thing he's ever seen in a world full of supernatural creatures. He's bracing himself above her, one hand by her shoulder, one flat against the headboard, and she moans as she thinks about the weight of him, pressing her into the mattress as he slides in and out of her. But this isn't something heavy or something that would drag them down, so Lydia wraps her fingers around Styles's wrist, barely getting them all the way around, and mirrors the action with her legs around his hips. The thing that is so striking about this moment is that it isn't about getting off. It's not about fucking Styles or watching him come. It is about savoring the feeling of him inside of her for however brief a time they can be together. It is about the burn of the way he stretches her, and the way she wraps her body around him so that she can be as close to him as possible. She leans upward to press her lips against the sweat that is formed at his sternum, making him gasp. He's struggling not to speak, but she knows what he wants to say anyways so she drags his head down so that she can kiss him and say it back. Later, he sleeps with his arms wrapped around her and doesn't have a single nightmare. She watches him dream and thinks about the possibility of never saying goodbye. Lydia's face is flushed from dancing by the time the sun sets over the vineyard. Her sister is in the middle of the floor wearing her second gown of the night as she throws her hands into the air and sways her hips to the same beat that Lydia's grandmother is swinging hers For a moment, she sharply misses Scott. "'Damn, you have a nimble grandma,' Stiles says from behind her, approaching with two drinks in hand. "'Mitmovito?' Lydia takes it appreciatively. "'Finally, something that isn't wine.' "'I know, right? "'I think if your granddad suffered from major blood loss, "'we could literally refill him with wine.' "'Remind me again why you're a lawyer and not a doctor?' "'Beats me.' "'He takes her hand and begins to walk towards the balcony.' which is filled with people cooling themselves off from the festivities. Lydia has already made her maid-of-honor speech, so she takes several more sips from the mojito, fully prepared to get drunk in order to come up with a snappy new answer in regards to why she hasn't married herself off yet. The sun is setting low in the sky as Silas and Lydia lean against the railing, looking out across the vineyard. In the distance, she catches sight of two of her relatives leaping around and clutching protectively onto two bottles of wine. These people are crazy, Lydia mutters. I'm so sorry for dragging you to this wedding. That's not so bad, Style says happily. After all, I totally scored with the maid of honor. What a coincidence. I hooked up with the mysterious stranger who everybody is talking about. How lucky are we? Just so fucking blessed. He laughs, mashing his hands together nervously. It's gorgeous here, Style says after a moment, voice muted. It is. Lydia agrees. I always pictured myself getting married outside. She looks over at him. You want to get married? And Stiles just raises his eyebrows. Come on. You know the answer to that. Her skin prickles slightly. No, I don't. You've never told me. Lydia. He meets her eyes, pleading with her to understand, and she drops her gaze just as the door to the balcony bursts open cake someone shouts causing everybody to begin filing back into the reception hall in one large mass styles doesn't stop looking at lydia lydia doesn't move from her spot on the railing once everybody is gone and the door is closed styles turns around his back against the wooden rail so that he can look at the group inside i wanted to get a dog you know i didn't know that lydia says lightly despite the lump that has already begun to form in her throat Yeah, Stiles says, nodding. I went to the pound, and I was all set to buy a dog, right? I thought, this is it. Scott's getting married, Lydia's getting smarter, and Stiles is going to get a dog. This is the solution. The solution to what? I don't know, he says. The solution. He pauses, twiddling his thumbs together for a moment. Except then, he says, straightening up slightly, the lady asked me if I wanted a big dog or a small dog. And I didn't know. She asked me where I was going to be in five years, an apartment, a house, a city, a country. And I didn't know. And I thought to myself, would Lydia rather have a big dog or a small dog? Would Lydia want to be in a house or an apartment or a condo or a fucking brownstone in the middle of New York city? And I didn't fucking know. I didn't even know if it mattered. I realized that I had stopped living my life because I didn't know how you wanted to live yours. And then I left the fucking pound with that knowledge and without a goddamn dog. Lydia licks her lips, unsure of what to say. Siles, I... But his eyes are suddenly so calm. He seems peaceful for the first time since they started talking. So, I'm I'm just going to do this. Right here, right now. And I'm sorry if it ruins your sister's wedding, but... Lydia, I want you. She grips the railing harder. I want you, so I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. I haven't stopped waiting for you, and I'm not going to. When you want me, I'm all in. He leans down, kisses her cheek, and turns around and walks away. Six months later, she gets a wedding invitation in the mail and checks the will-not-be-attending box. Wedding number seven. When Lydia was a child, her favorite house on the ride to school had been Scott McCall's house. It was a slightly smaller house than the one she was used to living in, but it had always been littered with toys that her fingers had itched to play with. There were tiny little cages for putting bugs in and two wagons, one rudder than the other. There was a kid-sized fake car that she would constantly see Scott running around in with his best friend, both looking like they were having the time of their lives, despite the fact that they were going far slower than any actual car would go. Once, she had driven past his house and had seen Scott sobbing as his mom patched up a scrape on his knee. As Lydia watched, she kissed the scrape while Stiles sat in the background, watching with a look of consternation on his face. Lydia never knew what that meant until years later, when she realized that... Despite having a perfectly good father to kiss his wounds, it was never quite big enough compared to what he really wanted. Today, as she drives up to Scott McCall's house, there are no toys on the front lawn. Instead, there are a plethora of chairs set up in neat rows on the freshly mown grass. Lydia imagines Scott and Styles blasting a series of classic rock songs as they had set up the chairs, dropping them occasionally to play air guitar. Parking is nearly impossible to come by, so Lydia leaves her car down the street and walks all the way to the McCall household in her impossibly high heels. She's sweating by the time she gets there, but it's not because of the day. It's because of her quickening breath and speeding heartbeat and the palms that are sweaty against her dress. In a yard full of wedding guests, it's easy to blend in and sneak her way to the front door. It swings open easily for her, and Lydia wastes no time in tromping up the stairs. She isn't sure which room to go to, so she tries Scott's first, feeling as though it might be the most likely place. When she knocks on the door, the voice that calls out for her to come in is exactly the one she wants to hear. Sheriff, she says, smiling brightly at him. Hi. Lydia, he says, surprised. Um, hello. We didn't think you were coming. I got a last-minute flight, she responds. I hope that's okay. Of course it is. "'Says the sheriff, holding out in arms so that he can hug her. "'You got here just in time to help me with this damn bow tie. "'You got it,' Lydia says, hands moving to expertly tie it. "'Siles threw a miniature hissy fit when he had to wear one of these for Scott's wedding. "'I hope he was better behaved today.' "'Just a bit,' the sheriff jokes. "'He knows I could still clobber him in a second. "'I have no doubt of that,' Lydia says, "'finishing off the bow tie and taking a step back to admire her handiwork. "'Aim right for the ankles.' He's always had weak ankles, poor kid. Good thing he was quick on his feet. Speaking of feet, she hedges, how are yours? Toasty, promises the sheriff, but you're not here to ask about my feet. True, Lydia says, taking a step back so that she can lean against Scott's desk. I came to ask for your permission, I suppose. His eyes are glinting as he crosses his arms over his chest and gives her his best protective father's stare. Permission for what? For Stiles, Lydia says, meeting his stare with an unwavering gaze of her own. I-, I know I've spent about 15 years hurting him, but if he'll let me, I want to stop doing that. I don't want him to feel that way anymore. The sheriff frowns all these years, this- hasn't been about you being okay with him being in pain. So, what was it? Lydia folds her hands in front of herself, trying to attribute the shortness of breath to the fact that she had recently climbed an entire flight of stairs. I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to hurt him all over again, she admits, moving over to the window. But this. She pauses stops breathing for a moment when she sees Styles on the lawn, laughing as Scott elbows him continuously, jumping up and down and trying to push Stiles over. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to not let go of it. All of it. He nods slowly, then more quickly, as a smile begins to etch its way on into the weathered lines around his eyes. Then I think we can find an extra seat for you somewhere. Lydia kisses him on the cheek before she leaves him to finish getting ready for his wedding. Despite the fact that she sits in the back, Styles notices her in the midst of Melissa gliding down the aisle. His back stiffens, his eyes hardening for a brief moment when he sees her. Then he swallows hard, and his posture relaxes as he offers her a weak smile. He doesn't look for her for the rest of the wedding doesn't even clap eyes on her until she has moved through the receiving line, and is hugging the four people who are so much to each other that it is almost overwhelming, the enormity of what their family means to them. They look perfect together, like it was meant to end like this from the start of the beginning. There are fairy lights strung up all around Scott's yard, and by the time Lydia has said hello to everybody she needs to, people are dancing in the middle of the floor, barely able to hear the music over the buzz of conversation. She sits with a piece of cake untouched in her lap as she watches Styles dance with his date. Her name is Lisa. Styles had met her through work. She looks beautiful as the fairy lights make her face glow with vibrancy. But Lydia knows better than to be jealous. One song bleeds into another, and the fireflies are flitting off in the distance as Styles approaches Lydia, his face set into a determined line. Hey, he says. You ready for a dance yet? She nods because it is not her place to ask why it had taken him so long, just allows herself to take the hand that he has offered her and lets him pull her up, naturally threading their fingers together. His palm is sweaty. It's okay. Hers is too. Silas' hand is higher on her back than it has been in years, and that would make Lydia laugh if it didn't make her so anxious. We thought you weren't coming, he says, twirling Lydia out. She spins back to him. Me too, she admits. I brought a date. I see that. She seems lovely. That's a very noncommittal word you're using. Styles teases, hand relaxing slightly on her back. Well, I did just meet her. Me too, he says quietly. What do you mean? Haven't you known her for a few months? He shrugs. Yeah. She's too intelligent not to breathe the subtext. She's too brave not to use the opening. Look, she says. I understand if you're angry. I dropped all communication after my sister's wedding. I stayed away. I wasn't honest with you when you were honest with me. I get it. Who said I was mad? I'm making an assumption based on the fact that your lips are pressed together very tightly. Maybe I'm just trying not to ask you what you weren't honest with me about. She strokes her hand lightly up and down his back tracing the familiar curves and muscles. The thing is, Styles, she says, I don't care if you bring another girl as a date to a wedding, even if you think I'm going to be there. He raises his eyebrows. Really? Really, Really? she says. I'm not perfect. I know that I'm damaged, and I know that parts of you are damaged because of me. But seeing you with her tonight and and not seeing you for all these past few months, just... I don't care if you bring her to weddings. Just don't marry her. Don't marry her, he says flatly. "Okay, give me three reasons why not. Without thinking about it, Lydia stretches up on her tiptoes so that she can whisper it in his ear. Stiles Zelensky, she says, her heart clenching. I'll give you one. Wedding number eight. It is Styles's idea to do the thing with the sand. Lydia doesn't have a preference either way. She'd be fine with going to Vegas and getting married by a cheaply costumed Elvis, just as long as she got to wake up in the morning in a reasonably nice hotel room with the husband that she's been in love with since she was sixteen. After she says that, though, Styles gets such a horrified look on his face that Lydia ends up doing a complete one eighty and throwing the wedding of a lifetime just to get her fiance to stop looking like she fed him sour lemons. In the end, she actually likes the sand thing. They go to the beach the night before and scoop up the tiny granules into a jar, laughing too hard at the way Gabriel falls down in the sand, clutching onto Scott and Izzy's hand as though his life depends on it. The first time Silas has held him in the hospital room, exhausted gray circles under his eyes. He had been completely taken aback by how tiny Gabe's fingers were. Lydia had watched his mouth round perfectly as the baby gurgled in his arms. Luckily, she'd had her camera out already when Styles had looked up at Scott with complete awe in his eyes. "'Dude,' he'd said. "'You made this thing!' Scott had grinned, scrubbing a hand across his crooked jaw, his hospital bracelet sliding up and down his arm. "'Crazy, right? I make a baby. You get to be an uncle.' Ever since that night, Styles has been taking his duties very seriously— So much so that, today, Gabriel had toddled down the aisle, carrying two small jars of sand with him, barely able to make it all the way to them. Styles had caught him before he fell, lifting him into the air and pressing a kiss against his chubby cheek before sending him off towards his mother. As soon as he sees Lydia appearing around the doorway, Styles grins hugely and offers her two thumbs up. Then she moves fully into view, and the audience stands up, and he sees her in her dress for the first time, and his arms just flop to his side. Lydia starts walking, lifting her shoulders in a question, and he rolls his eyes, shaking his head and grinning as his eyes fill with tears. By the time they get the rings on, she is sick of communicating only with her eyes. She wants to ask him how his day is gone, and whether Scott has cried yet, and if he remembered to feed the dog before they left the house this morning. As fairy tale as this entire thing is, the fact that they have a life outside of the dress that she is wearing and the tuxedo that Styles is in makes Lydia's heartbeat faster. She lifts her jar of sand, and he lifts his, and they pour them together until the grains are no longer distinguishable. Styles likes it because it's symbolic, and Lydia agrees, but it's not symbolic of their wedding. It is symbolic of who they are and who they have become, what they have been inching towards since they met each other years ago. Who she is has always been the person that Styles has allowed her to be, and as she watches the granules of sand vanish into each other, she knows with absolute certainty— That she will never have to pretend again. Never have to pretend or feel unimportant or uncared for. There's no way to separate one person's jar of sand from the other. No possible way to pull them apart. Before they leave the hall, Lydia makes sure to hand the jar to her mother for safekeeping. She'll put it on their mantle later on. Right now, they have a reception to go to. She's been to more weddings than she can count. But none of them have actually been in Lydia's, and she doesn't realize until they're midway through the reception that she is letting it whiz by her. She's standing next to the cake, holding a small piece of it on her fork and a plate of it in her hand, and everybody is watching, waiting for her to feed it to Styles. and she is still thinking about whether or not her seating chart is right. He sees the change in her face as soon as it occurs. What? He says, and when Lydia smiles, his jaw drops. No. Let's know. No. She presses a small kiss against his lips before shoving the entire plate of cake in his face. Lydia's favorite moment happens later on that night, when she and Stiles are sitting at their table, and Scott begins tapping his fork against his glass. Kiss! he shouts, and Izzy cups her hands around her mouth to join in. Stiles leans over and places a quick kiss on Lydia's lips, then picks up his vodka Shirley Temple, intending to take another sip. When he looks back at the crowd, he sees Scott's mouth twisted into a smirk as he holds up a sign that reads two in large black lettering. Lydia raises her eyebrows. Apparently Scott is unimpressed with your kissing prowess. Fuck him, Stiles mutters under his breath, waving at Lydia's grandmother. She offers him a thumbs down. Ugh, no, I am a great kisser. He leans into Lydia again, taking her head in his hands and kissing her. They only pull back when Scott's boo fills the room, and he holds up a four. Lydia snorts loudly, then covers her mouth when Stiles looks over at her furiously. Oh, fuck this, he says, and then he stands up, pulls her out of her chair, and dips her over the table, kissing her in a way that makes Lydia wonder how weird it would be to leave her own wedding to go fuck her new husband in the bathroom. They pull apart when Danny whoops so loudly that it echoes across the room. Scott holds up a ten. Styles looks far too satisfied with himself. Lydia, on the flip side, is thoroughly unsatisfied. She keeps one hand on Styles at all times until they finally hug the last guest goodbye and get into the elevator. For a moment, the door slides shut and they are completely silent. Then, Styles turns to Lydia, a small, befuddled smile lifting his lips. Hey, he says, nudging her. We got married. Her lids get heavy as she moves closer to him, lifting her chin so that she can kiss him. Styles, she murmurs, lips grazing his. Please, please get me out of this fucking corset. He laughs, wrapping his arms around her waist and dropping a kiss on the top of her head. Sure. And, um, do you want to take a shot for each bobby pin that's holding this up? He asks, tucking on a piece of her updo that had fallen down while she was dancing. No, Lydia says sternly. I want to remember the honeymoon. Hmm, sighs Styles, nuzzling her temple. Me too. Although, she says, as the elevator doors ding open, I was thinking, maybe we could start it off before we get there? Yep. What are you talking about? Stiles asks, following her down the hallway into the room. He presses the key card against the reader while Lydia watches him, noticing the way his jaw jumps slightly when the door unlocks. She pushes into the room and finds the small suitcase that she'd asked Izzy to bring up for her, a folder set on top. The words Beacon Hills High School are printed on the front, something that Stiles notices as soon as Lydia hands the folder to him. Is this from high school? He asks, keeping it closed as he searches her face. Not even a little, she responds. it. He opens the folder. Your course syllabus for next semester? He questions. Lydia nods. And, and a copy of paperwork. He's a lawyer. He'll figure it out soon enough. Name change request. He looks up at her, wetting his lower lip nervously as he flicks back to the syllabus. Dr. Lydia Stolinski. He reads softly. Oh my god. Dr. Lydia Stolinski. Lydia considers this moment to be the first and last time she can and will ever see him speechless. You're sort of stuck with me now, Lydia says peering up at him mischievously through her lashes. For a moment, Stiles just looks at her, the corner of his lip quirked upwards. Then he walks around until he is behind her and slowly unzips her dress, letting it fall to the ground. One by one, he undoes the hooks on her corset and unties the strings. Thank God, he replies. Lydia, thank fucking God. She leans against his back, resting her head on his shoulder. I love you. I love you, Dr. Lydia Stelinski. Lydia laughs. Are you going to call me that the entire weekend? Hey, I didn't think you were going to change your name. This is all new to me. I'm pretty damn excited. She turns around, sliding her arms around his neck and leaning in to kiss him. All these years and we still get new stuff, she says contemplatively. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I'm pretty impressed by us, he says voice husky and i've always been impressed by you i'm an impressive woman she teases it's not really a surprise oh you're supposed to say it back hey i changed my name isn't that enough she'd wanted to and he hadn't asked her to but he still nods slowly wow yeah you're gonna use that against me for the rest of our lives aren't you i am looking forward to it honestly she is too